Major. This is Joe Turner. Listen, identification? What? Identification. Uh, my name is Turner. I work for you. Now listen. Identify yourself. Uh, well, I don't... What is your designation? Uh, Condor. Section 9, Department 17. The section's been hit. What level? What level? Level of damage. Everybody. Dr. Lapp, Janice, Ray, Harold. Harold was in the, uh, uh... Are you in a company line? No, no, I'm in a phone booth. I'm, I'm just a block away. I'm in the street. You're in violation of secure communication procedures, Condor. Listen, you son of a bitch. I'm telling you, I came back with lunch and it was raining and the whole house was murdered. Everybody is dead. Welcome back to How Have You Not Seen This, a movie podcast that we've taken a break from for a couple of weeks because, you know, society. So. School, the heat. Oh, yeah. The world we it's live like in. It's like 105 heat index today here in Houston, 110. The yeah. city is telling people, like, stay inside. Yeah. They're not like, be careful. They're like, please hide from nature. Please cover yourselves. Indeed. So that's what we're doing today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're a movie podcast where a married couple, Daniel over there. Hello. And Tracy, that's me. Uh, show each other movies that the other one really should have seen by now. Man, I, I get... Uh, I wrote about this on Facebook. I get seasonal affective disorder Mm -hmm. in the summer, which people I thought was made up until I asked my psychiatrist and he was like, no, that's not made up. People do get seasonal affective disorder in the summer. But the difference is I don't get one of them fancy lights to make me feel better. I need uh, to like have a human sized refrigerator that I can just sit in. Which is dangerous. And also, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably dangerous. Probably. But anyway, um, so I just kind of... Yeah. I just kind of feel... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we did see a really good movie last night. Yeah, we did. Three Days of the Condor from 1975, starring Robert Redford and Faye Dunaway, directed by Sidney Pollack. I had seen it before. It was Tracy's first time, and I think it went pretty well. I'm ashamed that I have not seen it until now, because it is amazing this makes me feel so good there's always this moment of like trepidation when a movie ends and the other person's like what did you think and she was like that was great i was like oh god it's like a weight off it's so good yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. super super good it has all of the things that i like the 70s gritty look it's got uh super sexy redford with his like long shaggy hair and his big glasses and his mm-hmm. bell bottoms doing his thing um we got faye dunaway being all faye dunaway mm-hmm. uh sydney pollock who i swear had a cameo as the cab driver i think that might have been him i didn't look this up no i thought it was the guy in the in the um telephone booth oh let me see i'll find out i swear he had a cameo but i could be he, totally making he that did up. do that sometimes in some of his his earlier movies because sydney pollack uh amazing actor and director uh did both and would sometimes appear in movies that he directed very hitchcockian mm-hmm. it was produced by dino de laurentis and i said to daniel that i think that there's some sort of rule that if dino de laurentis produces something max von Sydow has to be in it and max von Sydow was so good it was so good. It was great. By the way, I just checked. Sidney Pollack did not have a cameo in this movie. Well, I say that he did. Okay. Sorry. Maybe he's uncredited, and it's just he just knew. That is what I'm saying. And so decades later, I'm claiming it. You he's dead. And he it. can't say anything. Yeah, he died like 12 years ago. So <laughs> sorry, R.I.P. to the goat. But I am making you. Yeah, retroactively, I'm, you were in this movie. I'm that you rewriting directed. your history. Good job, dude. Way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I guess. 
I'll do like a super high level two or three sentence summary and then we can talk about like why you haven't seen it and we can kind of get into stuff. Yeah. Does that sound good? So Three Days of the Condor follows a CIA analyst and researcher played by Robert Redford. He he just reads books. It's all he does. Just not a field guy. Not a field guy at all. He's just like a an office nerd. One day he files a report about some stuff that he thinks is suspicious, doesn't really think anything of it, goes out to lunch. While he's out to lunch, his whole office gets just like wiped out by by high-powered assassins. Just they quickly come in, murder everyone. He comes back, finds everyone dead, calls into headquarters, and they're like, we got to figure out what's going on. And at that point, he starts to become extra paranoid and on the run because he's not sure who is trying to kill him and the rest of the office and why and what is going on and what the motivations are. He doesn't even know his boss, the section chief, or his boss's boss. He's just hearing these people's voices on the phone for the first time, so he's very lost and concerned. And he is basically like skating the knife edge when getting killed again. So Three Days of the Condor refers to the three days he spends on the run throughout the course of the movie. Condor is his codename. Which is a fucking rad It's name. really, it's it's too rad a codename for a for an office guy. I want my codename to be Condor. Like, you're, you're a researcher all day. It's all you. And we give you Condor? We're going to waste Condor on a book guy? That's, you know, they should just give you like a number. Like, you're like, you're X4. That's what you should be. I think, you know? I think though, if you dig really deep, it makes sense because condors are extinct and and by the end of the movie you're like oh i don't know is he gonna last oh shit that's a really good point or is he gonna go extinct nicely done Thank hadn't you. even thought about that because i don't know about nature and science and life you didn't know the condor was extinct in the movie they said it was I mean, endangered they, they could have called him the dodo that's less endearing that's less fun <laughs> three days of the dodo that's like a that's a bad comedy. No, I really want that. It's like a, I think the Condor is. Uh, that's like a 2005 stink, Ashton Kutcher comedy. Three days of the dodo. Three days of the dodo. He's got to like. He's Ashton Kutcher has to like babysit his girlfriend's daughter, you know, and she calls him Dodo, and like the mom's out of town for three days, and he has to like take care of her. Three days of the dodo. I just made that up. That you was did. fucking amazing. Okay, no, they're not. They're not extinct. Okay, they're endangered. No. They're just birds. <laughs> They're actually um, vultures. They're just big fucking birds. They're okay. Very big vultures. Well, we've come. We've solved a lot of problems today. <laughs> Fixed a lot of shit. I still think we yeah. should call it three so, days of the dodo. Anyway, so that's three days of the condor. He's on the run, and uh, one of the things he does early on, uh, Robert Redford Condor, is he kidnaps a woman, Kathy, played by Faye Dunaway. Because he needs some place to like hide and take cover because he has no place to go that's safe in New York where he lives. And so their relationship becomes part of it too. Anyway, that's Three Days of the Condor. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Sidney Pollack. Again, total genius man. Love him. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. So how have you not seen this? Uh, it was a title that I heard in the ether but had no idea about anything else i didn't know who was in it i didn't know who directed it i didn't know anything Mm -hmm. so when you were like when i saw that on the list where you were or you asked me then i looked it up and i was like robert redford okay that's fine like that'll be good i'll watch that Mm -hmm. um so no i had no no excuse um but it's absolutely one that i should have seen because it's really really good and it's unfortunately super appropriate for today one of the reasons i picked it um and actually i will say that there were parts of it that i was like this is 
100% predictable. I know exactly what's going to happen. And then there were parts that I was like, what? And then there were parts where I was like, yeah, I called it. And then mm-hmm. again, there were parts where I was like, what? Yep, that all happened. So um, I drive Daniel crazy because I'm like my dad with movies where I talk to them. I talk to the movie. And um, it's hilarious. I love it, though. <laughs> like. I'm like, Some, I don't know what you think you're doing, buddy, but you're not going to get in there. And yep. Daniel's like, I, or sometimes it's sometimes it's like, uh, like the guy will be in trouble, and she's like, get the gun, genius. Yeah. Or uh, <laughs> or when like the twist comes out, she like puts her hands up like a ref calling touchdown and says, I called it. And like, I know you did. I know you did. So listen, I just I don't like poor uh, screenwriting. This is and good screenwriting. I well. I think that if you are, you know, I think there are certain times when in this movie and in mm-hmm. all movies, but certain times sure. in this movie where I'm like, get the fucking gun. Like you see that everyone is shot. So the first thing you do is pick up the gun sure. so that if you go upstairs and the bad guys are there, you can shoot them. I thought that was, though, I'm willing. I totally understand what you're saying. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt there because he's a non-field guy and was in a pure state of panic and fright and was no, not thinking no, straight. No, it's fine. You know. Pick up the gun. Yeah. So anyway, um, I saw this when I was in high school probably because when I was getting more into movies as a, as a teenager and I really wanted to like explore more than just the movies that were out you know, then for people my age, my dad was like, I should tell you about some of the movies that I was really digging when I was in my 20s, because in the mid 70s, my dad was in his 20s. And that was kind of the last time he really paid attention to pop culture in any measurable way. Uh, and so he basically was like, see all these movies. And they're mostly like Robert Redford and Paul Newman movies. Um, and of course, things like The Godfather and stuff like that, like the classic 70s movies. So I saw Three Days of the Condor in high school. And I was like, well, this is great. Uh, and now, of course, as an adult, there's just, it's just deeper and deeper and hits harder and harder. And it's 45 years old, and it still really hits with just the stuff it's talking about. Obviously, the technology is, like, adorably dated. Oh, it's so cute! And the music is this, like, adult, contemporary jazz 70s. It's yep, great. It's yep, so cheeseball. Yep. But the stuff they're dealing with, like betrayal and, you know, spy groups and misinformation within intelligence organizations and like, you know, yes, you know, the oil situation. situation. Yes, exactly. So um, so it totally holds up in in a lot of ways today. Um, So I think it's a really good movie and I'm glad that you liked it. So yes, very, very good. So, yeah, let's chat about let's chat about what you liked. Well, I really liked, I love anything CIA because I, as we have discussed before, wanted to be in the CIA for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be a political analyst for the CIA. That's what a youth watching and reading Jack Ryan stuff will do to a kid. It is. Uh, my parents thought I was completely insane, but they were like, yeah, no, you're in sixth grade. That's definitely something you should go for. Right. Now, to just 11 year old Tracy, like with her babysitter's club books and like her fucking code breaker skills. Yeah, I was like... Uh, I had Babysitter's Club and Hunt for Red October, and mm-hmm. I was like... That's a well-rounded girl. Also scary. I'm going to be I'm gonna be a political analyst for the CIA. <laughs> also, can I babysit? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to marry Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> I was 
super interested in politics, which is not normal for uh, a kid my age. I mean, maybe now with like Instagram or anything, it's much more, it's much easier for a kid to have access. But I literally had the news and the newspaper and I was really, really interested in politics. It was really not normal. No, it is. Yeah. For a middle schooler in the late 80s to be into politics was not normal. No. Um, So that was, that was, I was like, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be me. And then I took, started with a major in political science and I was like, Oh, politics sucks. <laughs> so got out of that. I I still could have done it. Like I think if I'd learned, um, if I'd learned what uh, what's the language? Uh, Farsi. Farsi. If I'd mm-hmm. learned Farsi, I could have had a good career. But um, then you know you're working for the government, and it's all I don't know. Plus, I have no poker face. Yeah. Poker face. Poker face. There you go. So I liked the whole, you know, intrigue of them like, oh, it's the American Historical Book Society or whatever. And but really, they're reading books and finding codes in them. And oh, I liked that. I liked the whole kind of humor. There was there was humor and stuff in the beginning. That was fun. Um, I saw the setup. I knew what was going to happen. Um, you know, when he's like, Hey, he can't go out that back way. And I was like, well, obviously he's not going to, obviously you're not going to kill the star of the movie. So he's going to survive. And then it's going to be about finding like, um, what was that? That was my seventies music. That was amazing. (laughs) Um, I liked, I loved Max von Sydow as the, um, kind of, assassin for hire mm-hmm. um i i love like i i genuinely he's he was probably my favorite character after robert redford because he um has no allegiance so he does what he has to do he stalks tries to kill robert redford for like most of the movie and then at the mm-hmm. end he's like hey i don't have to kill you more because like no one's paying me to so you want to hang out and i was like what is happening this yeah. is amazing yeah um and like tries to get robert redford to like become an assassin i was like this is fantastic um so i loved him the thing that i didn't like mm-hmm. um which i think you already know is when robert redford has faye dunaway like he's kidnapped her mm-hmm. and um it could have gone a couple different ways and i would have been okay if it had gone one way but it went the other way if they had like had this real connection and I want to help you and what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And then things turn to romance. Then that's one thing. Right. But she like, didn't believe him. She was very scared, all this stuff. And he's like, I got to fuck you. Cause yeah. I got to get my mind off this. And she's like, okay. So mm-hmm. he has sex with her all night. And I'm like, to just like chill to, to just like really center himself, to just like center himself. And I was like, and I, Daniel knew instantly. He was like, "I know she's not gonna like this." Well, I was like, "Excuse me, not... I don't even. What did I say?" I was like, "I'm sorry. What? Yeah, that's that what I right. said. Yeah, I'm sorry. What? Because, dude, you don't fucking take advantage of the girl that you kidnapped. I don't care what you look like. You don't take sure. advantage of the girl that you just kidnapped. And by the way, that is no woman's fantasy. Okay." Mm-hmm. It may be a fantasy with your spouse or partner sure. that like, ooh, let's pretend like you kidnapped me or whatever, which 
already you let's know, explore maybe that. Talk to your yeah. psychologist. Mm-hmm. But um, no woman actually wants to be kidnapped, and then the guy's like, "I have to get off for a few hours." Like yeah. that's not sexy exactly. at all. Yeah, and she's all like, "Oh," and I'm like, "No." Yeah. That is wrong. That is 70s bullshit. Well, here's the thing. Like, it doesn't play well. It didn't even play well that much later than that. Like, first of all, the sex scene is, like, so 70s, like, soft lit and, like, cheeseball music. It's yes. uh, truly deserves to be seen for that alone. But there's a great moment in Out of Sight, a genius perfect movie. Yes. Where at the beginning, when they kidnap Karen Sisko and they're escaping and Jack Foley is in the back of the trunk with her. They talk about this movie and that scene. Another movie I liked with Faye Dunaway was Three Days of the Condor. One with Robert Redford when he was young. Yeah. You know, I never thought it made sense, though. You know, the way they got together so quick. I mean, romantically. And so I think that was one of the reasons that Soderbergh kind of like recreated that moment and referenced it in Out of Sight was to talk about that unbelievability about it and also show a more realistic way that that attraction could start to build in Out of Sight because Karen Tisco winds up liking Jack Foley more than she admits. But at the beginning, she just still wants to like shoot him and take him back down like she's doing her job. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it doesn't play well. And I think at a minimum, if you wanted to have them develop something where they quote-unquote, got together or whatever, you would need to have something happen on, like, the second night or further into it, if anything at all. Probably safe or not at all, because it's so ramped up. He basically, what happens is he's running around New York, needs a place to stay, sees her in a store, overhears her name, walks out onto the street with her and says, hey, Kathy, good to see you again, and kind of surprises her, and then uses that to, like, pull his gun, kidnap her, get her into her car and go back to her place where he can hide out for a while because he has no place safe to go. And that's at like three in the afternoon and they hook up that night. There is This is after, by the way, he has tied her up and gagged her for the afternoon. Yes, because he has to he goes to leave to run an errand to like check on his friend and see if his friend is alive. It's not going well. Um and so he ties her up with pantyhose and gags her mouth, ties Overall. her to the toilet, and comes back and then with her hand still tied up, which apparently gets her engine revving they start to hook up. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And yeah. it's the kind of thing that when I saw as in, as in high school, I was like, oh, man, this is so complicated and adult. And wow, this is crazy. But now I'm like, this is so stupid. Like, I'll tell you what I would have believed. What I would have believed is at the end of the three days when when mm-hmm. um, when they're at the train station mm-hmm. and it's very romantic. And yeah, the, it's the, great. The, the it's steam really well is shot. billowing mm-hmm. and whatever. If she had said like, you know, when she's like. You have good eyes. Not kind, but they don't lie. And they don't look away much. And they don't miss anything. I could use eyes like that. If they had kissed then. Yes. And that was the only That was the only thing. thing yes. I would have been like, well, that's fucking romantic and I got to Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, give me a moment. Because um, it, it, that would have been amazing. I agree completely. It Sydney revs Pollack, up shame on you. It revs up so fast is the thing. Like No, it isn't even it's too, Well, that, well that's thing much. like they're in her apartment. And he's like, "Hey, you take photos. I like these photos. They tell me a lot about you." And I'm like, oh, "Okay." So the romance subplot is by far the weakest part of the movie. Yeah, also her photos are not that good. They're not that good. 
and that unfortunately weighs it down a little. It's it doesn't ring true in any way. It does definitely doesn't hold up or feel, you know, relatable. And it's it feels really dated. She doesn't have a lot of expression in this film either. No, she's not and that's the thing she's a great actress not given a ton to do. No. Um so and it's a, it's a shame I really think that a a more modern version of this story or even more self-aware one at the time could have done really interesting things investigating their really interesting dynamic of he is the captor but if she starts to take pity on pity on him and if not even believe him want to help him yeah do something yeah um but yeah i i agree um so so that was that was really the only that Mm -hmm. was the i was like nah Mm -hmm. nah no 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 um everything else i was totally on board for i loved what's his name i don't know his name but the guy who i think is the head of- john houseman the older man played, oh. played Bash. he's amazing i just him in anything that he's in i'm like i love you you are perfect in any everything even funny silly stuff i just want i just want him in all the things mm-hmm. um i think that the guy who plays higgins I think that his hair should have been given its own uh, credit. It it is like a Trumpian level comb over. The I part mean, is on like the side of his head. No, he Trump wishes, and he it had just this swoops hair. all over. It's I've Cliff never Robertson. seen hair like that in my life. It should have gotten its own credit. Cliff Robertson had a long and storied career in in movies. He's done a ton of stuff. He might be most well known to people of a younger generation, or like not even younger anymore. God. Whatever. Oh my god. Um, he played Uncle Ben in the first Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, he did. He he played Hugh Hefner in Star Eighty with. Uh, oh my god! Have you not seen Star Eighty? Add Star, it to the list. Star Eighty is great. It's Mariel Hemingway, and it's a story about a real playmate. And she was murdered. <gasps> Added to the list. True it's great. crime. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, Hello. so so yeah, but uh, so you like the cast. You like John Houseman, the I old man. I love the whole cast. Mm-hmm. I love Higgins. I thought he did a great job. Um, I I thought, like I said, Max von Sydow, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just just Fouché, Fouché, Jobert, Jobert. Where am I coming up with Fouché? Is not remotely close. I'm tired. Fouché. <laughs> I thought you were trying to say something in code. Jobert. I. They're loved both him. weird made up names. I loved him. He was great. I loved the scene. Oh, I loved the scene. When um, Redford was like, look it up, the postman and the da 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 and the fa da da la 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 la. And then they're in the um, they're in the little CIA computer room where everything's like, I love the 70s computers. And he's like, look up um, this guy. And they pulls up the postman and he's like, cross reference with Jobert and now cross reference with da da da. And they find. They find what's his name. They find the connection. They yeah. find the connection. Mm-hmm. Atwood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I'll be damned." And I was like, "He told you the truth." Like yep. it's fantastic. And then I loved when uh, Jobert finds uh, he's like a computer, mm-hmm. and he finds uh, Turner, who is um, Robert Redford Condor. Um, he finds him at Atwood's house, and he's like, uh, "How did they know I was going to be here?" And he's like, "Oh, they didn't. I did." It was yeah. it was predictable. He just knows human like, behavior. He's fucking amazing. He's great. He to me was the star. Like I love Robert Redford. I think the two of them were like Yeah, Max von Sydow steals a bunch. They, he really does. Yeah. So I I loved it and I loved how the end was very mm, I don't know. 
Because they kept saying, he kept going, how do you know? And he's like, uh, they will. And how do you know? And they will. And how do you know? And I was like, he doesn't know. Oh, yeah. my God. Mm-hmm. So you don't know. You don't know. Very, very, of course, appropriately mid-70s. Very mid-70s. You know, um, this is, of course, the era. Uh, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, about how movies are both a reflection of their time, but also they take a while to make. So the vibe was kind of in the air a few years before. So this came out in 75, which means it had been, you know, in production for a couple of years. So the U.S. had just come off a decade of assassinations and losing a war. Like Mm. it was, there's a reason that a lot of the movies you see, the mainstream dramas of the early to mid 70s were just haunted, ambiguous, downer ending. Sometimes a downer ending would be a clarity you couldn't even get. Sometimes they would just end in a state of suspension. Which is what this Which is was. what this one does. Yes, this ends in because what happens toward the end is uh, Condor Redford uh, decides not to come back in to the CIA and he goes to the Times, New York Times, because he thinks they're going to kill and him, and tells his whole story. And you know he meets up with the, with Higgins, Cliff Robertson on the street, and says, "Hey, I told them the whole story." And at first Higgins is pissed and is like, "You dumb son of a bitch! You caused so much more damage than you realize." But then Higgins is like, "Hey Turner, how do you know they'll print it?" You can take a walk, but how far if they don't print it? They'll print it. How do you know? And Redford walks away and just looks back, and you realize he doesn't know, and there's uncertainty. And it's just, and that's the perfect kind of just caught in the tension moment that a lot of movies like this ended in and were building toward, because there is no resolution, because this is in the height of all this stuff. You know, it's, it's really well done. I think also one of the really um, one of the lines or monologues that is very appropriate for now is the one that Higgins delivers during that scene where Mm -hmm. he's like, it's simple economics. Today, it's oil, right? In 10 or 15 years, food, plutonium, maybe even sooner. Now, what do you think the people are going to want us to do then? Ask them. Not now. Then. Ask them when they're running out. Ask them when there's no heat in their homes and they're cold. Ask them when their engines stop. Ask them when people who've never known hunger start going hungry. You want to know something? They won't want us to ask them. They'll just want us to get it for them. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's America. Like, yeah. And that could be the world. I mean, that could be everywhere. But I'm just saying, that's a very American, like... I don't care where my Cheetos come from as long as I can have my Cheetos. Right. Um, And it feels appropriate to reflect on a statement like that this weekend when simultaneously Florida is seeing spikes in death from COVID-19 while Disney World is reopening. Yeah. Because people are like, I don't care where my theme park resort fund comes from. I just want my theme park resort fund. Yep. You know? Yep. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's... uh, We're very predictable. Yes. As... as, uh, Jobert says, mm-hmm. we are very predictable. Yep. Um, or as I will call him, Fouché. Fouché. <laughs> Jean-Paul? Yeah, Jean-Paul. I think it's Jean-Paul. No. Um, so you liked it. I loved that it. That makes me so happy. Yeah, no, I really, really loved it. I also loved the moment when, <laughs> during the uh, not sexy sex scene. It's not um, sexy at all. When you see uh, uh, Robert Redford's got this big old chain with turquoise on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, of course he has turquoise. And uh, and 
Daniel's like, well, yeah, it's the 70s. And I'm like, no, it's Robert Redford, you know, Sundance. Like, he loves turquoise. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, the Sundance catalog. And he's like, what's happening? And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. He didn't know about the Sundance catalog that, you know, Sundance obviously is Robert Redford's gig. Um, I didn't know there was merch and jewelry. There is a lot of merch and jewelry. They actually commission pieces from famous uh, jewelry designers and stuff. And um, it's really beautiful work but i was like he always he's always loved turquoise it's his thing um so i thought that was funny that he did not know about the sundance catalog i got to yeah that was cool a little bit. i was like see this piece he's like yeah okay i get why you like i get it stop yep. showing me things my girl likes turquoise <laughs> i do we could so much. we took a trip to new mexico a few so years ago much. that was dangerous yeah you got away with, i did get away very lightly you got me i bought nothing i bought like slab earrings you I know. got away with no, nothing I know. one day i was like the market's closed we shouldn't go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll go back someday mm-hmm. new mexico beautiful land of enchantment it is insane there it is so if cool. you live there good job if you don't let's go if you live there get a new governor yeah. and a new sheriff but enjoy the Wait, stars no, the sher- the sheriff's in arizona no. arizona is what we're thinking of okay arizona Get a new governor and a new sheriff. If you live in Arizona, also, I'm real sorry about everything. Just good luck. Hang in there. You We're guys with are you. really having the shit. But We're you do have you. Sedona, so maybe go sit on one of those... Um, a vortex. Vort- vortices. A vortices. Yes. Anyway. Get some of that energy. Three Days of the Condor. Spy movie. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. <laughs> Three Days of the Condor came out in <laughs> September of 1975. Its budget was a little less than $8 million, and domestically it made about $27 million. Good Did return on investment. Very, very, very good. Very uh, good. Based on the novel Six Days of the Condor by James Grady. But they were like, fuck it, we can do this in three. <laughs> we don't have the money for six. Cut this shit down. <laughs> what, am I made of money? Give them three days. I'll give you a day and a half of the Condor. I'll give you the Condor's afternoon. <laughs> the Condor's. Okay? Afternoon of the Condor. Just do it. The Condor <laughs> takes in a matinee and is... We're all lunch, of the, lunch of the Condor. Lunch of the Condor. No, you're in and out. 60 minutes. It's fine. No. Um, directed by Sidney Pollack. Again, an American great. Uh, it is easy for, to forget, I also think, that Sidney Pollack didn't act for a while, because he's known for acting and directing, but he took the 80s off and just did a lot of directing. Except for Tootsie. Except for Tootsie, yes. Uh, he he directed Tootsie and was a supporting player in that in 1982, but then he didn't act for 10 years. He came back oh. in 1992 with The Player and Death Becomes Her. Oh, my God. Also worth noting, I thought this was really interesting. During his career, Sidney Pollack directed 12 different actors in Oscar-nominated performances. Damn. That's amazing. Uh, Jane Fonda and Gig Young for They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Gig Young won. Susanna York also in They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Barbara Streisand nominated for The Way We Were. Paul Newman and Melinda Dillon, both nominated for Absence of Malice. Jessica Lange, Dustin Hoffman, and Terry Garr, all nominated for Tootsie, and Jessica Lange won. Meryl Streep nominated for Out of Africa, as was Klaus Maria Brandauer. And, and I thought this was cool, Holly Hunter was nominated for Supporting Actress for The Firm. Really? Yeah. And I was like, I could see that. So I should say, really? 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 It's not my best feature. It's not, it's not her best work. I've, no. seen, I've seen her in better stuff. But no, yeah, so that's uh, it's great. I, that's amazing. 12, 12 different actors nominated for Oscars yes. under, in these directing. I thought that was really cool. Um, also, and again, if you haven't seen Sidney Pollack in Michael Clayton in 2007, oh. he's just the fucking, just the peak, peak of, of performance. He's the peak goat. Pollock. He's a man. Peak Pollock. He is so damn good. You're like this. It, oh, my God. And he's in Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, my God. He's just so damn good. Oh, I love Sidney Pollack's performances. Um, anyway, also, Robert Redford... I think it's easy to forget now because Robert Redford, for people of our generation, especially younger, is just like 
this institution, this older person. Yes. It can be easy to forget that this dude was a fucking supernova. He owned the 70s, like owned them, kept them in his pocket in a way that movie stars now just do not. Mm. Like now it is all IP and pre-sold ideas and franchises. Yeah. You know, people do not come to the movies to see Robert Downey. They come to see Iron Man. Yeah. It is insane to think of the power and profile Robert Redford had because here's where he was at in this run. Because, again, this came out in 75. This is just some of his stuff. 1967, Barefoot in the Park. 69, Butch and Sundance and Downhill Racer. 72, Jeremiah Johnson, The Candidate. 73, The Sting and the Way We Were. 74, The Great Gatsby. 75, Three Days of the Condor and The Great Waldo Pepper. 76, All the President's Men. 77, A Bridge Too Far. 79, The Electric Horseman. So in like 12 years, he dominated Hollywood movies. And like... Big blue eyes. And was pivotal in shaping performances and uh, the kind of things that were recognized, the kind of stories that were told. He was pushing and always doing like different interesting things. Those are all different types of movies. He's not doing the same kind of character back to back. He's an amazing performer. And like when you watch this now, you're like, oh, yeah, Robert Redford, the big glasses, the shaggy hair, the sideburns, you know, the chest hair and the necklace. Uh, But it is so I think always worth remembering that this guy was just like a nuclear level star. These movies that we all take for granted now were, of course, just coming out every year. People are like, what's Robert Redford going to do next? And it was just all this stuff. This was an amazing movie. He hadn't even done all the president's men yet. Like, it's very it's insane it's very uh he he and newman i think it's appropriate that they were in uh you know butch and sundance together mm-hmm. because they were they're kind of the same he kind of followed newman's mm-hmm. newman had the same yes. star just like how do you i mean the eyes oh my god yeah that's why they were such a good pair paul newman an older subgeneration, but the same level of like i'm gonna dominate yeah he dominated just owned everything and so you got Robert Redford in this movie, and like it's he's humongous in the seventies. It's impossible to overstate. He's humongous. Faye Dunaway, huge too. She was in the middle of an amazing run. She obviously, you know, had been acting for a while. You know, Bonnie and Clyde was sixty-seven. Uh, Thomas Crown Affair was sixty-eight. Amazing. But she was in the middle of a, an amazing three-year run because nineteen seventy-four was Chinatown, seventy-five oh. was Three Days of the Condor, and seventy-six was Network. Okay. So. That's a that's an amazing those three movies in a row. Chinatown, holy shit! Fucking great movie. If you haven't seen Chinatown, see Chinatown, and also uh, learn about the St. Francis Dam break mm-hmm. because that those two have a lot in common. Also, watch craziest shit network. It's good, which I did not like. Nope. Um, we we did it for. I feel like it's fair to say you respected it. The end of season one, I respected it and did not like it at all. Yeah. Um, but those first two of hers, hooray! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's. I just want to put that in context and make you realize. Okay, 1975, this came out. You're These dealing with were powerhouses, two humongous stars in the middle of amazing runs of movies. Who would then go on to make some of their more seminal work even the next year, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 really cool to, to remember. The screenplay is credited to Lorenzo Simple Jr. and David Raphael. Lorenzo Simple Jr., fascinating career. He had screenwriting credits on everything from uh, the Batman movie in 1966, as well as the TV show, like the Adam and then a Batman, and then you you got a Batman shark repellent, all that stuff. Why do you have to take it to that place? I like to make it a little jazzier. I know. Uh, he also was one of the writers on Papillon. 
King Kong remake in 76, and Flash Gordon in 1980. <gasps> Flash! Ah! Uh... He's a miracle. Dun, 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 dun. Flash! Flash Gordon. Flash. Terrible movie. Uh, Fucking amazing soundtrack. Every one of us. And you have Queen Squirt doing now. you have Queen doing your soundtrack? Dude. Who who gets Queen to do their I think it's a rule of this fucking insane movie. Insane movie. I think between that and Highlander, it's a, it's almost a rule that if Queen does your soundtrack, the music's going to be amazing, the movie's going to suck. <laughs> Cuz I, do I have a soft spot for Highlander? Sure. It's a shitty movie, but the music oh, fucking owns. Anyway, uh, Semple also worked on Never Say Never Again. Mm-hmm. Bond. The 83 Connery Bond yes. parallel universe movie. Look, yeah. don't, you don't know anything about Bond, so don't try to Also, pretend. interesting, David Rayfield, the other credited screenwriter, worked a ton with Sidney Pollack. He worked on Absence of Malice, Havana, The Firm, Sabrina, Random Hearts, and The Interpreter. Uh, so they had a long career together. I loved The Interpreter. Daniel has not seen it. No, that's... Is it Nicole Kidman and Sean yes, Penn? Yes, and I love it. I have not it. seen it. I've seen it like five times. I have not love seen it. Love that movie. We should consider adding that to the list if you want to. Maybe we will. Maybe... Well, I dare you to. I might. I, okay. Okay. Let's see into that. That worked out really well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I think this is an, an amazing movie. Uh, I also had some really cool info about, let's see, I think the, uh, we talked about the cinematography a little bit. The photographer was, beautifully was shot. Owen Roisman, still alive, born in 1936. Hey, Owen. Owen, happy birthday. He, he, rece- he has received five Academy Award nominations for Best Cinematography. And this is, this is what they were for. This will tell you. For The French Connection, uh, The Exorcist, uh, Network, oh. Tootsie, and Wyatt Earp. And those are just as those are just as Oscar so nominations. I brought him up before. Because I think we did. I, we did. We did. We did because I showed Owen you, Roisman. I showed you. Um, no, you showed me Network, and you told. I must have brought up Owen Roisman. Yeah. Him up again. Yeah. Uh, he also did The Heartbreak Kid, Absence of Malice, another Pollock movie, uh, The Adams Family, Grand Canyon. <gasps> Grand Canyon, I love. So he was much. given an, a, an honorary Oscar in 2017. Okay, I was going to say, give the man a fucking because Oscar. Because he was again like a long story career, and those nominations again. The French Connection, The Exorcist, Network, Tootsie. Those are four very different movies, but they're all beautifully shot. Yeah, like, those are those are goat movies. Like there are uh, there are think of the the visuals in French Connection, the you know, guy running up the stairs and getting shot. Oh my god, the foggy stairs and the, the street light in The Exorcist. Amazing. Amazing visuals. So yeah, he brings that same kind of seventies grime and grit to this. Like there's that great scene you talked about where uh, Turner is saying goodbye to Kathy at the train station and you know he oh. like walks off into the fog and mist like it's so great it's not overdone but it's just the perfect level of, mm-hmm. of mist and grit also he's shooting in New York in the 70s which was a fucking pigsty so like everything looks believably trashy and like grimy and chipped like it's great it's yeah. just it has this amazing sense of time and place yeah and i love seeing movies like that that are set in specific cities like new york or anywhere where you really get a sense of the city and the time and place when you watch the movie mm-hmm. 40 50 years later mm-hmm. i love stuff like that and when you watch this you're like oh man this is really new york in the mid 70s this is something so i feel like if we dropped daniel into new york in the mid 70s he would start crying within the hour right and then get beat up we'd be like that be big like, dude's i don't weak. like it i don't like it we'd be like oh no but you mm-hmm. said you loved it no i said like, i appreciate no, the aesthetic like take me back like yep i'd probably I, be very scared I need penicillin. where's sparrows 
It's <laughs> terrible. You need to read it as Sbarro's. I have eaten it Sbarro's. Don't tell people that. Why? Because it's embarrassing. I'm not saying I'm proud of it, but I've eaten a lot of Sbarro's in my life. Oh, a lot? Well, I mean, not a lot of Sbarro's. I've eaten a lot at Isn't Sbarro's. Sbarro's. The SB together is a dumb idea. Who can pronounce that? Sbarro. Sbarro. I'm just going by what Jack Donaghy says. Sbarro's. It sounds like you have a cold. I'm going to go to Sbarro's. Well, you usually do. I do. Have I'm often stuffed up. Anyway, uh, so yes, it is a gorgeously shot movie and really well acted. I think it, it also made me realize watching this again because I've seen it so many times. Redford does amazing stuff with his body when he's acting. Yeah, he does. Okay. That's, I feel like as soon as I said amazing it. Amazing stuff with his body. As soon as I said it, I was like, there's no, there's no way around it. <laughs> you said it. I know. I didn't mean with his dick. Like I'm, I didn't say that. Okay. Oh, my. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but he, if, if you look at this performance and then especially a lot of that stuff Redford did in the 70s, He's very conscious of what he's doing with his hands and his his face and his mouth and his facial expressions. And yes, he, he's he is. always he always does really interesting stuff. Like when he when Turner comes back to the office and finds everything, and he's he's navigating around. And you look at his hands and you realize his hands are like half curled because he like doesn't want to touch stuff. Yeah, or he's like touched blood and is afraid to touch his clothes, so he's like maneuvering awkwardly. Uh, he does a lot of like licking his lips and posturing his mouth, and that's when I realized a lot of Robert Redford roles are really introverted insightful people and he has to be on screen but look like he's thinking and deducing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think about the candidate or i think about all the president's men and you're like yeah a lot of times robert redford is on screen just figuring shit out yeah especially in this one he's like i just need to figure out what's happening and it's really really hard to convincingly act a silent thing we have to look at someone and be like he's thinking and deducing right now that's insane if you look yeah. at anybody when you look at somebody doing that in real life, like in your office before the apocalypse, you'd be like, they look dumb or like they're asleep, but they're really thinking hard because that's just what it looks like. Yeah. So he puts on this amazing affect and actually is compelling to watch him silently figure stuff out. And he's one of the best actors at that, I think. He's mm-hmm. just really, really good. Um, so I loved getting to watch his performance in this again. I also loved Max von Sydow as Jobert, not just because he's like icy, cold, terrifying assassin, but... Because he is a pure soldier of fortune. Mm-hmm. Because he has set out, he's his job he's for most. He's got a code. Yeah, his job for most of it is to eliminate the rest of the people that were in this CIA office, including Condor, who's on the run. But then, when Jobert's cover basically his job gets blown, CIA hires him and says, "Hey, we're going to clean this up. We actually want you to kill Atwood, the guy who was hiring you to do all this stuff and, and help us bring Condor in." He's like, "Okay, cool." Then he just goes and kills Atwood. And, like, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to kill you, Condor. And Condor's, like, freaked out. Like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm not going to kill you. Condor's like, but you tried to kill me. And he's like, nah, that was a business arrangement with Atwood. But he's dead now, so. Can I give you a lift? Yeah, can I drop you anywhere? Can yeah. I drop you anywhere? So he's yeah. like, it's just a matter of money and logistics for him. It yeah. is just. He even says he he recommends Turner. Uh, Turner's like, what do I do now? And jean Bear's like, you could just be a freelance assassin in Europe. Europe? Yes. Well, the fact is, what I do is not a bad occupation. Someone is always willing to pay. I would find it tiring. Oh, no. It's quite restful. It's almost peaceful. No need to believe in either side or any side. There is no cause. 
There's only yourself. The belief is in your own precision. And it's like horribly demoralizing to Turner, who hears it and he's like, he still has this like little seed of patriotism in him. He's like, I would miss the United States. And Joubert's like, nah, too bad. Bye. And like, just takes off to go do his thing. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of something else that happens early in the movie when, when Higgins, Cliff Robertson, is talking to Wabash, John Houseman. Uh, who is old, and this is the 70s, so Wabash is talking about his action going back to, like, World War One. I. I loved that. I was going to say, so I good. loved that Higgins is like, do you miss that kind of action? And Hausman's like, I miss that kind of clarity. Yes. Because he's like, you knew who the bad guy we're was. caught up in all this, like, there's, like, groups within groups within groups, and, like, war games and scenarios, and, like, double agents, triple agents, but he's like, it was awful, but at least I knew... What was what? And you sense this exhaustion in him. Yes. One thing that I think is, is great about John Hausman, for those who don't know, he was a longtime uh, producer as well as actor. He was a, a British stage producer for decades. And he did like a couple of bit parts in like the 30s. Didn't start acting until really 1973's The Paper Chase, which is an amazing movie. Have you seen The Paper Chase? I have not. It's really good. It is about uh, first-year law students at Harvard. Uh, and he plays... A brutal, brutal professor, like a very challenging, tough professor. And that it's I him versus Timothy Busfield, um, who is like one of his students, Mr. Hart, trying to figure things out. Um, and he like was nominated and I think maybe won. I didn't look it up uh, for the role, like blew up. And so from then on, like got more acting roles and TV. Like in and, a Muppet movie. Yeah, like and they like, did TV and film. And so then he, he passed away just in, in the 80s. Um, but for like the, that last chunk of his life, it's amazing. Like he blew up as an actor and performer as an old man. Um, in the paper chase in 73 and this is just two years later in 75 so you still have a shot i do yes i've got years to go to be an actor i guess am i gonna be an actor is that my shot i'm is? just saying if yeah. you you know you 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 can make it yep mm -hmm. hollywood are you looking for a convincing neighbor who doesn't have lines are you looking for um seth rogan pre-haircut yes are you looking for an attractive john c Riley? yeah or like a broke Seth Rogen, basically. You know? Yeah. Like a before. <laughs> it's not great. Anyway, uh, I did also want to share something else I thought was interesting. This came out in fall of 75. And at the time, a lot of critics brought up the fact that this, you know, talked about the CIA. Because there happened to have been, between the start of the movie's production and its release, uh, some interesting CIA news break. Because, of course, this is the, this is the Watergate era. Um, and... The the thing that was brought up by a lot of critics was the reference to the Family Jewels scandal. Do you know about this? No. So uh, I'm going to read from Wikipedia. Do you know about this? Have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? Heard about this? Folks, airplane food. What's the deal with that? Have you heard about this? You've seen this? Why do I do that Jay Leno monologue? Have you heard about this? Have you seen this? What is with me? <laughs> I even pointed at you like a you jackass. <laughs> My God, I'm glad we're not on video. But then people wouldn't be able to see you, Mr. Cotte. I do look like Gabe Kaplan Mr. today. Cotte. It's amazing. But I might be giving myself a haircut later today, uh, which could be real interesting. Oh we'll see what God. happens. I put a poll out on Twitter and I was like, should I, should I cut my own hair? And the options were yes and take pics or God know you idiot. And yes and take pics one kind of a yeah, landslide everybody likes to see a disaster train wreck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone wants to see an idiot do something else they would not do so yeah yeah, yeah. um 
Anyway, so tell me, tell me. So about yeah, Family, family Jewels. jewels. Uh, this is from Wikipedia, and then I'm going to read a quote from Pollock. Uh, some critics described the film as a piece of political propaganda, as it was released soon after the Family Jewels scandal that came to light in December of 1974, which exposed a variety of CIA dirty tricks. Ooh. Yeah. So Family Jewels was the name of a set of reports that detailed sensitive activities conducted by the CIA, considered illegal or inappropriate. They were conducted from 1959 to 73. William Colby, who was a CIA director who received the reports, dubbed them, quote, the skeletons in the closet. The, most of the documents were publicly released in June of 2007 after more than three decades of secrecy. The non-governmental National Security Archive had filed an FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, request 15 years earlier. Uh, basically, what happened is the reports that constituted the family jewels were commissioned in 73 by the uh, director of the CIA at the time, James Schlesinger, in re- response to press accounts of CIA's involvement in Watergate, in particular support to the burglars E. Howard Hunt and James McCord, both CIA veterans. In May of 73, Schlesinger says, hey, can we just round up all the shit that might have been outside of our purview and just put it in a one memo that we can look over and see if we like how badly we fucked up and have Yikes. been like crooked. So the resulting report, which is the form of a 693-page loose-leaf book of memos, was passed on to Colby when he succeeded Schlesinger as director of CIA in 73. The thing is, this is just, so this is like put together in 73, like, oh, cool, 700 pages of our dirty shit. Does this include uh, Operation Fuck With Your Mind? Yes, it does. Okay. Uh, investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch, Cy Hirsch, classic journalist, uh, revealed some of the contents of the Family Jewels in a front-page New York Times article in December of 74, in which he reported that the CIA, directly violating its charter, conducted a massive illegal domestic intelligence operation during the Nixon administration against the anti-war movement and other dissident groups in the U.S., according to well-placed government sources. Additional details of the contents came out over the following years, but a lot of uh, requests by historians and journalists under the Freedom of Information Act were still denied, which sucks because the government is crooked and awful. Um, it finally came out in June of 07 when the CIA director at the time, Michael Hayden, announced the documents would be released to the public. A six-page summary was made available at the National Security Archive, um, and then the, the, the complete set of documents with some information redacted was released in June of 07. The reports describe numerous activities conducted by the CIA from the 50s to the 70s that may have violated its charter. According to a briefing provided by a CIA director, William Colby, to the Justice Department on December of 74, these included 18 issues which were of legal concern, and these are like not good, like confinement of a KGB defector, wiretapping two syndicated columnists, physical surveillance of journalists, uh, physical surveillance of a Washington Post reporter, break in at the home of a former CIA employee, break in at the office of a former defector, warrantless entry into the apartment of a former CIA employee, opening of mail to and from the Soviet Union for 20 years, opening of mail to and from the People's Republic of China from 69 to 72, funding of behavior modification research on unwedding U.S. citizens, including unscientific, non-consensual human experiments, assassination plots against Castro, DR Congolese leader Patrice Lumumba, uh, President Rafael Trujillo of the Dominican Republic and Rene Schneider, Commander Chief of the Chilean Army, surveillance of dissident groups between 67 and 71, surveillance of a particular Latin American female and of U.S. citizens in Detroit, surveillance of former CIA officers, amassing files on almost 10,000 U.S. citizens related to the anti-war movement, uh, polygraph experiments, fake CIA identification documents that might violate state laws, and testing electronic equipment on U.S. telephone circuits. So... That is not great. If you think any of that has changed. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. I think that's the tip of the iceberg that they got caught doing and that they're doing more and more worse stuff all the time. What was the thing called? Uh, why have MK I... MKUltra? MKUltra. Jesus yeah. Christ. 
fucking yeah. psychology major. So the thing is, this this had started to come out in December of 74, and Condor came out in fall of 75. Uh, when Sidney Pollack was talking to a journal called Jump Cut, he explained the film was written solely to be a spy thriller, and that production of the film was nearly over by the time the Family Jewels revelations were made, which yeah, of course makes sense. Uh, so even if they had wanted to take advantage of them, it would have been far too late in the filmmaking process to do so. He said that despite both Pollack and Redford being well-known political liberals, they were only interested in making the film because an espionage thriller was something neither of them had really done before. Yeah. Pollack said, quote, I didn't want this picture to be judged. It's a movie. I attended it always as a movie. I never had any pretensions about the picture, and it's making me very angry that I'm getting pretensions stuck on me like tails on a donkey. If I wanted to be pretentious, I'd take the CIA seal and advertise this movie and really take advantage of the headlines. CIA, USA, Robert Redford, Faye Dunaway, all that. And don't think it wasn't suggested. Obviously, that's what the advertising people do. We really put our foot down, Redford and I, to absolutely stop that. Yeah. Because he he wanted it to be held on its own merits. And the thing is, yeah divorced of that revelation you know 45 years later it still totally does hold up for you sure know? you you don't have to to have that at all it totally holds up as a great espionage movie and spy thriller about this cabal within the cia and like their levels of corruption and and infighting mm-hmm, mm-hmm, divorced mm-hmm. of the actual real world revelation of the shit they'd gotten up to for the past couple of decades and when that had hit the headlines in 74 um but yeah, I just thought that was really interesting that at the time they were like, is this about this? And Pollock's like, no, I mean, that stuff's terrible. <laughs> no, you're but, all assholes. Yeah. But, no. but again, like, you know, the movie was already made by the time that came out. It was, we're like well into this. You cannot wow. just like turn turn on a dime like that. But uh, yeah, this is a good 1975, 45 years old version of of what was happening. I think what's interesting is, you know, Redford as a character writes a report that he thinks is surfacing a hidden intelligence network within the CIA and finds out that it's related to oil, which in the film builds toward a kind of revelation, like, oh, it's about oil. Whereas 45 years later, that's like the first thing we would guess, mm-hmm. you know? You're like, oh, of course, of course it would be about oil. Like, why would it not be about oil? Like, mm-hmm. when it's just about oil, you're like, is that all, almost? This, this, this many years later. Because, it, to me, we're so used to just all this crooked intelligence and counterintelligence and defunding and destabilizing regimes to like control oil and production. Oil. Yeah. That... And now of course with China, it's about computers, mm-hmm. you know, it's about who's got like, you know, mm-hmm. ugh, TikTok and all that shit. I, I don't even. Yeah. Which is, I, that's actually been a concern for a while. Like TikTok has had spikes in popularity over the months and a, a big one now because of quarantine, but there's also concern about the data that it collects and reports to its parent company. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. That's the thing. Like there's, Higgins' monologue at the end where he says, you know, today it's oil, 10, 15 years from now it's food. You're like, yeah, it's, he's not wrong. It, food is in there. Um, you know, data, data is, is the thing is that we didn't about. know that we were going to pivot toward, you know? Yeah. Like, if you made a version of this now, it would be data. Yeah. It would be some cell within the CIA is collecting and amassing personal data to, like, track and manipulate people or yeah. something. Something you know? like that. Something yeah. like that, yeah. Um, because we're so used to that because we're both jaded by corruption, but also that's the world we live in. that's so data centric. Yes. So, mm-hmm. Yes. But, uh, I, th- I still think the vibe really holds up. Absolutely. Um, I love that. I guessed that it was my oil. Yeah, you do. He, he was, he was like listing yeah. countries and he was mm-hmm. like, da, 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 Venezuela. And I was like, this is about oil. And he's like, it's about oil. And I was like, I got it. 
Yep. Yeah. He was like, okay. Yep. Sometimes watching a movie with her is like playing Jeopardy when you didn't realize you were playing Jeopardy. <laughs> like, did you just buzz in? I thought we were watching a movie. What happened? <laughs> Not me. He's wrong. Okay. Gun genius. Okay. I like it when I guess correctly. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Um, but anyway, it is currently streaming on Prime, so I recommend it if you want to check it out. It is a great, great movie. Obviously, like we said, some subplots don't totally hold up, but I don't think it it detracts from the movie's overall power or no. enjoyability. No. I also like how when they shoot people, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's they just used like red paint for blood. I'm glad you noticed that. Which was awesome. It's, yeah. I was like, you guys, that's just like red that's just like red acrylic paint. Is yeah. anyone even trying for any sort of nope? Right. Okay, well, well we'll just go with it. Part of it is also uh it was a technology thing and also a, a a sensor quality of life thing, not censorship per se. But oh come on, um, corn syrup and well, no, well, that's the thing. Guy. Like one of the things that really started to to push this was was Taxi Driver in 1976, mm-hmm. and they had had a lot of blood, and the blood was actually visually darker. Um, and Scorsese, I know, kind of went through some battles on how dark they were allowed to like tint the blood and make it look more real because. There was still some pushback you got because, again, this is 75, so the movie was made in 73, 74. The Hayes Code has been out of commission for less than a decade. So you're still getting a lot of movies where people get shot. So you see squibs pop, but, like, no blood or wounds. And you don't Mm -hmm. see a lot of blood. And the blood you see is very bright red. Yeah, You know, it doesn't look real. Like, again, if you shot this today, there would be a lot more blood and be a lot more Mm -hmm. grotesque violence. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, again, it was still the 70s. And so the blood you were seeing was not what we would think of today as, quote, unquote, real looking movie blood mm-hmm. but it's definitely of it of its time um but still i think i think if you go into it with that you'll you'll get some good stuff out of it yeah so yeah well, i'm glad you liked it well sad that his little girlfriend died that's the thing i love that too um i think a more modern version of this would jump quicker into the catastrophe but one of the reasons i love this and it's so 70s thing about it is it really takes its time setting up the premise mm-hmm. of turner working at this office, the people he's friends with, his intelligence there and and the fact that they like respect him for stuff, but also just the vibe of these people, the collegial atmosphere. Yeah, he's late, he's the Yeah, he's but the, they like him. The... He's got a close friend, yeah, yeah. a girl there he's kind of flirty with and and so when these no, folks I think they date, I think I think they're they dating. dated, yeah. So so when these folks are killed, it's not just an inciting incident for the plot. But even though you've only heard them all speak a few sentences, you're genuinely shocked and sad yeah yeah like it really it's a really well done investment of just these brief brief characters Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so you are automatically bought in with turner's shock and fear and paranoia from the beginning it's really well made so so yeah check it out it's on amazon prime you definitely need to watch Mm -hmm. this movie so good three days of the condor three days of the condor it's good Um, all right i'm glad you liked it to be followed by a snack with the condor a snack with the condor yes yep Mm mm-hmm an evening out with the condor. A nap with the condor. Two weeks in the Berkshires with the condor. <laughs> Just a nice vacation with the condor. Just a nice vacation with the condor. Did you see this, the Disney movie Condor Man from the 70s? No. The superhero movie? It's bad. Vulture Man? Condor Man. I know, but Condor is a vulture. Yeah, but he had these big mechanical wings. I think right. one of the, I think the guy was, one of the guys from Hello Dolly was the main guy. You like mean the sidekick? Not Walter Matthau, but the skinny dude. Yeah, you know who that is. That's that's uh the guy who played uh the Phantom. Oh, I that's think, Michael Crawford. Oh, I think he was 
I could be totally misremembering who's Condor Man, but I remember a movie called Condor Man, and I will, for the benefit of those folks at home, tell you that I am flapping my arms up. right now. He's flapping his wings like a fool. Condor Man. Condor Man. Like Disney 70s. I'm sad that we're looking this up. It's not great. I saw it as a kid, though. And I was just obsessed with flying. So anything where a guy could fly. 1981. 81. See? So it's the uh, 70s. Michael Crawford. <laughs> I was right. I give myself full credit. A plus Carlson. You did it. That is insane. It's not good. No, like it a, looks terrible. It's like, a, it's like a comedy. Superhero comedy. Yeah, it looks real bad. It's real bad. Anyway, Three Days of the Condor is good. <laughs> you should see it. Robert Redford. Please do not make the mistake and rank Condor, Condor Man. Man. Because in the middle, he's like, Nighttime Hawkins heightens each sensation. And you're like, wait, what? Why is he singing? What's I've never seen Phantom of the Opera. Darkness wakes and stirs imagination. Very nice. Thank you. So, Three Days of the Condor. Rent it. Rent it. Watch it. Love it. Live it. Be it. Embrace it. Yes. Okay, moving on. So what's your hell yeah for the week? My hell yeah for the week is a video game I just finished called The Last of Us Part 2. And it is amazing. The storytelling. and my brother yeah. have been waiting for a year for this to come out. Oh, more than a year. Oh, we, more than a year? Oh, yeah. Uh, my brother-in-law, Price, we've been waiting for this game for several years. Uh, Looking forward to it for probably six or seven years. They each took a day off of work. We did. And it was so worth it. It's like <laughs> we, we both took a day off work when Red Dead 2 came out as well. Price and I have an understanding. Um, so I, I just finished The Last of Us 2 uh, not too long ago. It is amazing. The storytelling, the writing, the acting, the mechanics. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's like the Godfather 2 of games, in my opinion, because it it deepens and enhances the predecessor in really complicated and interesting ways. Oh. The acting is amazing. The motion capture is amazing. Uh, the mechanics are really rewarding. It's just it's a, it's an amazingly well-written game. It's like this is what like they we're building toward for years and years and i just had a fantastic time with it and i've been you know you sending finished it way too fast no yeah you got i mean you gotta let it oh yeah i know you gotta ease it out so i know you can really enjoy it's it. it's so good it's so good uh i've been sending texts back and forth with with price and some other friends just like sharing notes about like reactions to t- certain things and oh it's great <laughs> So good. Grab the baby and run here. Basically. It's not that far <laughs> off. Uh, so yeah, that's my hell yeah. Uh, the Last of Us Part 2. It's just an amazing, yeah. Right amazing on. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Amazing game. So I mean, we're all, look, in Houston, it is, we're under a heat advisory. It is at least, and I'm not exaggerating, 105 degrees outside. Um, most of my family is up in fucking Crested Butte, Colorado, living the life um it's like 65 and sunny yeah like like they wake up and it's 45 degrees each fall off a mountain is that even legal for to be 45 (laughs) degrees somewhere right now how does that happen oh anyway no i'm glad they're having a good time but um i so you got to find a way i'm starting to get um starting to get i i have gone full tilt kind of into this i can't take any more bad it's all so 
bad. Everything is bad. And I'm not depressed. Like I call it my gray blanket. If I have gray blanket, that means that's the real depression where mm-hmm. I have to go to the doctor. But I, I'm not like not depressed, but it's just there's too much bad and I have to escape. And um, for a while, I ate everything, which I think we all did. Everybody yep. was like, it's the apocalypse. Let's eat everything. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I'm tired of eating everything. So I've got to move into something else. And I have rediscovered makeup. And I now, <laughs> I now watch makeup tutorials on YouTube like they're like my ASMR. Like, I'm just yeah. like, this is so peaceful. She's putting primer. Oh, primer on her eyelids. That's really smart because that'll set the powder. Uh-huh. Mm. And then I've discovered this girl who I swear we're, we would totally be best friends if we met in person because we have so much in common. Call me. Um, no, Bailey Sarian. If you like true crime and makeup... Bailey There's bound to be a pretty interesting it's Venn diagram. B a y l e y s a r i a n. Bailey Sarian, um, and she's on like every single social media thing, so you can find her. Anyway, every Monday she does murder mystery makeup Mondays. She even has a little theme song, and she does her makeup while she talks about a true crime story that she's researched, and it's just basically like heaven for me because I can you know, watch makeup and also listen to true crime. Um, so it's just what I do now because it, it kind of deadens the world around me. I don't have to mm-hmm. be, I don't have to pay attention. So Daniel was walking. He go, are you watching? Are you watching Bailey? I'm like, I'm watching my bae. And he's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Just kind of wander back out. Cause I just have to shut down. Oh and yeah. That's how I shut down the world is I just put on some makeup tutorials and I'm very happy. Oh yeah. That's, that's what everybody needs right now. That's you need video, a way to just that's like my video game. You need a way to like reset your brain. You yeah. know, like again, the Last of Us Part Two is a post-apocalyptic game about. Wait zomb- a minute! Wait a minute! Stop! A video game okay. about a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, I know. I know. I get it. I this know. is unprecedented. Unprecedented. <laughs> yeah. But it says a lot that like that game, which is grim and challenging, was my relaxing. Yes. Like I unwound with that game. I you would did. be like. I need to unwind from reality for a while with this dark challenge. That's the world we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, find something. Just, like, reset yourself. Um, I've been listening to a lot more audiobooks, too. I'll just, like, chill, listen to mm-hmm. audiobooks. No, I mean, I should mm-hmm. be I should be listening to audiobooks, but I'm not. I'm uh, I'm learning how to contour. Hey, that's awesome. I don't care. No. I don't, I'm not going anywhere. It's Self-care. not care. Like, I got to have a full face of makeup, but I'm just sitting here doing mm-hmm. my fucking homework. I don't care. Right. Got to look good for the Amazon Prime Now I guy. Because <laughs> we don't go anywhere. Nope. Texas is on fire. Yep. Literally and also figuratively. Mm-hmm. Like COVID is just ravaging our city. Yep. So we just stay inside and try to stay cool and, uh, and that's, that's how it. we do it. That's so it. I please I encourage you to find your find your way of shutting off. Mm-hmm. And it can be something totally weird, like watching makeup tutorials on YouTube. Yeah. That's fine. You were up late last night checking Til those out. Three in the morning. Yeah. No judgment. This morning we were chatting. Tracy was like, I went down to YouTube 
what do you call it last night? I was like, rabbit hole? She's like, yeah, I was watching videos. And I was like, why am I so tired? And it was three in the morning. I was like, oh, no. So, yeah. yeah. But I did learn a lot about uh, contouring. You with, told me about it this morning. With cream, uh, cream contour stick. And so, so it was worth something. There you go. Definitely. There you go. I'm, I'm going to be Kim Kardashian. Oh. I'm going to be the next first lady of the United States. And on that, that's a what an amazing note to end on. <laughs> what an amazing thing to look forward to. So we're glad to be back. Yep. And uh, thank you guys for hanging in there with us. And if you still are, I don't know if anyone's even listening. Yeah. But um, if you are, we love you. And um, please hang in there. And please wear a goddamn mask. It's not a choice. Wear a mask, you stupid idiot. Hey. I mean, please wear a mask, you stupid idiot. No. So not no name calling. Please wear a mask. There you go. Okay. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through No sickness, no toil, nor danger in that bright land to which I go. I'm going there to see my mother. She said she'd
and go singing home to God. I'm going there to see my Savior. I'm going there. No. Just a golden.